Hi, welcome to our third session uh, today uh, from Ephesians chapter 1 as we're going to consider uh, verses 4, we hope, through verse 6. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, uh, may we be sensitive to your word and allow it to impact our lives. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So our passage today begins in verse 4, where he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And then we'll see in, in, in the next verse, verse 5, he predestined us. So, of course, in this passage here, uh, we are entering in this territory of a great discussion, great theological debate, lots of different uh, opinions, nuances of the words and phrase, and that is election, predestination. Um, God's choosing. And we're not going to certainly exhaust any of that in a short 15-minute study today. All I'm going to say is we take the Bible as free as possible, I mean, as literal as possible, literal as possible, and as free as necessary. And uh, I'm just going to take it for what it says, and it seems to be the most natural reading, the most clear reading, That just like you and I use language that is, is clear, uh, the clear language Paul is trying to express to the Ephesians of this important topic. And he simply says, uh, he chose us in him before the foundation of, or the creation of the world. I keep saying foundation, and we'll come back to that in just a minute. And in this passage, of course, we'll see that there are three personas. For he, that is God the Father, chose us in him, as Christ the Savior, Christ the Son, and then us. And the us would be the church, the body of Christ, but also, of course, it would be church, the individuals that make up that church. And I don't see how you can separate the two. He chose the church, the body of Christ, for this end, and he chose us who are part of that body of Christ. Uh, when we were saved, we came to Christ the Savior as part of that body of Christ. I, I don't separate the two. And so uh, we see that these are the three personas, if you will, involved in this section. Now, we have this word here where it says he chose us in him. I just wanted to point out to you that in the, in the Greek language, in, in the middle in the middle voice here, it really has the idea of the chooser having a personal interest in what he is doing. And God has a very deep personal interest, his plan of salvation. And we'll see this as we talk about the dispensations. We'll talk some more about this as we move into Ephesians, especially chapter 2 and 3. That in the ages, the dispensations... As God unveils his plan of salvation progressively, and we'll, we'll see how it develops, we'll see that God had a plan uh, from before creation until until the, the consummation of all things. God has a plan for salvation, and it's a good plan. And if he didn't have a plan, it wouldn't happen. God has a good plan, and we are part of that plan. And, and he has a personal interest in this plan. When did this take place? You notice it says here, he chose us in him before the creation of the world. I put in parentheses there, uh, I put it foundation, because the early translations oftentimes use this word foundation. The reason they used it, because the Greek word that's used here is a word that basically means to throw down. And you think of laying foundation in, in the Bible world with large stones and laying a foundation for a building. You, you put them down. Throw down doesn't mean just randomly, but you put them down. You threw them down. And so the idea is before God threw down, if you will, the creation, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before that, God's plan of salvation was already set. And Paul says, you were part of that plan before 
the foundation before creation of the world. What an amazing thought, isn't it? To think that, that God had us in his plans, in his mind, in his heart, in his will, before the creation of the world, we were part of God's plan. That's what it says. That's what it says here, before creation. We'll see this in several places in the New Testament, this idea of the things that took place before creation. As far as the, the choosing and the electing and predestination, now let me just say this. I really like this quote from John Stott. John Stott said this, this, this topic is a divine revelation, not a human speculation. We're going to have to leave it there. And we're going to have to, as we, as we, as we said before, the secret things belong to God, the revealed things belong to us. Uh, I believe, I believe in this, what God says here, that, that He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. I also believe that people are responsible to respond in faith, but only as the Holy Spirit opens their heart and opens their eyes. We can all agree on that, that the Holy Spirit must open the heart to salvation and to understand. When the, when the Philippian jailer said, Paul, what must I do to be saved? In that moment of crisis, Paul didn't sit back and say, well, let's see if you're, you're chosen or not. No, Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And that's our simple message. We believe what, what the Bible tells us, what God's plans are and what he has done. And we believe in our responsibility to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to pray for eyes to be opened to receive that gospel. In this discussion, though, let's not lose sight of what we are chosen to what we are called for. There's a purpose in this, and he makes it very clear here. He chose us in him before the creation of the world, what? To be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, I put up on the on the PowerPoint here, again, a Greek word. I'm not a Greek expert by any stretch of imagination, but just want to share some, some thoughts that maybe just to, just to be helpful. We saw in verse 1, that Paul writes to the saint. And you'll see I have there the hagios, the saints. And here he says, we are called to be holy hagios. Well, obviously, right, it's the same root word. It is a word for saint, set apart. And we, of course, get the word sanctified and sanctification from this. They are called saints because they are saints, because, because Christ has made them through salvation set apart for himself, sanctified for himself. Uh, what, what a privilege. What an amazing thing and a, and a humbling thing to think that, that God has done this. He told the nation of Israel in, Le, in Leviticus chapter 11, Be holy because I am holy. You are a holy people because I am holy and I called you. You represent me on this earth. We are called to be holy and blameless without blemish. Uh, Passover is coming soon. And you know the story of Passover, where they sacrificed the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb had to be a lamb without blemish. You didn't sacrifice the lamb that was going to die anyway. I mean, that's not a sacrifice. You had to sacrifice the most valuable lamb, the one without blemish, to show your, your, your love for God and your faithfulness to his word and what he is asking. That's what a sacrifice is. We are blameless before God in Christ. We're going to see that several times in Ephesians, and we've seen this already, that he chose us in him, in Christ. He chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless. That's what we are declared 
by God to be because of the wonderful salvation and sacrifice our Lord Jesus Christ paid on the cross for our sins. And you notice I also have on, on this slide here, in love. Now in your translation, it is kind of interesting. You might notice, for example, in the NIV, at the end of verse 4, it says, there's a period, and it says, in love he predestined us. As a question, does the in love go with the next phrase or the one previous? I'm leaning toward putting it with the previous. would be dogmatic on that. But the idea here, I, I think, is that he, he, he chose us to be holy and blameless in love. And you've probably heard the word agape for, for um, love that is, that is used, one of the words that's used in the Bible. I want to suggest to you that it becomes a really kind of uniquely Christian word. It's in the Greek language. But outside of the Bible, the Septuagint translation and the New Testament, outside of the Bible, this word really is not found uh, in, in, in literature until afterwards. It's not really used much. In the Christian in the Christian faith, it becomes very predominant and almost uniquely Christian to describe God's love for us, his agape sacrificing love for us, and also our love that we are to have for one another. And so Paul says here, this has all been done in God's deep agape love for each one of us. Isn't this amazing? Uh, what a wonderful thing to meditate and to think about on today. How is this accomplished? We go on to the next to the next verse here. He predestined us. And there's another one of those big words again. It takes a lot of discussion. He predestined us. Um, this, this, the stop here. This this word uh, predestined. It, it comes is a there's a prefix or uh, pro which means before, and then the next word uh, orizo. The idea of of uh, well we get the word horizon horizon from this word. It means to set a boundary. And so we think of the horizon to, to set a boundary. The, the boundary, we look at the horizon. And so before, the set, the set this horizon, the set this boundary beforehand. We're back to this idea of this taking place beforehand. That, 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 in, that God predestined, it says here. He did this beforehand. He set this boundary beforehand. What? He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. Now, um, when we talk about this, the sonship, there's a lot of discussion. Does Paul have in mind uh, Jewish adoption, Greek adoption, or Roman adoption practices? I would tend to think, in, given this context, maybe the Roman, because of the unique situation Ephesians is, we talked about as a, a pro-counselor city, a seat of government in Asia Minor, and one of the things about that adoption in the Roman government, of course, the father had supreme uh, power over uh, the children, over the sons and daughters. But, of course, in this context, the, the word sonship is used. And the idea that uh, when someone is adopted, they give up all responsibility completely to the previous uh, father. And now are the sole responsibility of the new father and their sole allegiance is to the new father. And, of course, we'll, we'll see this language that we once were children of, of sin, of slavery to sin, of Satan's domain, and now we are children of the light. And so I think that's the background here when he talks about being adopted to sonship. You notice it's to the good pleasure of God's will. Good pleasure of God's will. Um, God, God is, it is God's purpose. This is about God. This whole thing, and that's the, the focus on this 
whole passage is God is the subject of this whole passage is to the good pleasure of his will. How does this work out in our lives then? We are, we are positionally, if you will, we are in Christ. We are holy and without blame before Christ. We are sanctified. We are holy and we've been chosen by God for his purpose. How does this work out in our daily lives though? We, we talk about our position of sanctification and our life of sanctification, our life being set apart. Israel was told, you are, be holy because I am holy. You are my people. You be holy because I am holy. God tells them also in Deuteronomy, I did not call you or choose you because of you were so numerous or any other reason. I chose you because I chose to set my love upon you, just like for you and for me. God has chosen to set his love upon us. Now, what is the end result? What does this mean in our lives? Now, I want to close with this today. Uh, this important passage from Philippians, and in Philippians chapter chapter two, um, is, is Paul in this another prison epistle. And in chapter two, and, and we read this uh, in verse. Let's begin in verse twelve. Therefore, my dear friends, Paul says, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. There it is again, God's purpose, God's will, God's pleasure. Do everything. Well, this is important today, huh? Do everything without complaining or arguing so you may become blameless. There we are, we are called to be blameless. We are to live blameless and pure, sanctified, set apart. Children of God, without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as we think about these very important uh, topics of, of, of how God has called us to be holy, God has called us to be blameless, God has chosen us toward this and predetermined that this is how we are as a church, the body of Christ, and as individuals. And he's done this out of his good pleasure. And, and his own will that we remember that that we are called to do this so that our daily lives reflect us it should we should reflect who we are and we we are before god blameless and pure but we should also reflect that it should show itself in how we live and how we walk and how we conduct ourselves and so uh, we'll continue on this important passage we didn't get too far into verse six but this idea i think we want to end with that it's important it's, it's for god's pleasure and God's goodwill, God's plan of salvation. We are part of that plan. And uh, what a wonderful thing. Uh, what a joy to think that, that God had us as part of his plan for his purpose. And God knows everything is happening today. He knows how it's all going to work out. And we are called to reflect his glory, his grace, and his love uh, this day. Thank you for joining us. And I hope you can join us again for our next lesson.